Today on From His Heart, Pastor Jeff Shreve is not going to dance around this important truth that is critical for our Christian growth. We need the biblical teaching of the local church. Oh, but you say, well, I can get that in other places. I don't have to go to uh, be a member of a local church to get good teaching, especially today in today's world of YouTube and podcasts and all that other stuff. Well, we need the local church for fellowship. You don't get fellowship from a podcast. You don't get fellowship from YouTube. You don't get fellowship from just watching on television. Have you been saved? Have you been baptized? And are you part of a local church? Those things are critical to your spiritual health, your spiritual growth, and to pleasing God. Welcome to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Now in our 20th year of broadcast ministry, teaching real truth, love, and hope to a lost and a dying world. And today he's going to continue part two of this lesson called The Christian Two-Step. In today's teaching, Pastor Jeff outlines two major steps that believers should take immediately after salvation. The importance of joining a local church and the true meaning of baptism. Have you received Jesus as your Savior and then taken those two vital steps that will give you the ability to grow strong in your faith each and every day? If not, you're missing the meaning and this method of spiritual growth that each Christian urgently needs. The message today is entitled, The Christian Two-Step, and it's from Pastor Jeff's seven-message series, The Next Step. And we're airing this series for the next couple of weeks. You can catch up with any that you may miss along the way when you go to FromHisHeart.org. Click the Listen tab. Now, though, open your copy of God's Word to the second chapter of Acts, and let's hear part two of The Christian Two-Step. Every person who is genuinely saved is to be baptized. That's what the Scripture clearly teaches. Now, Peter preached that in-your-face sermon. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He preaches that sermon. The people are convicted in their heart. God, the Holy Spirit, was working on them. What must I do? He says, repent and be baptized. True salvation involves both repentance and faith. If you're going to become a Christian, you have to repent and you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Now, when they said to Peter, what should we do? He said, just repent. And it's implied when he says, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, it's implied that you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And 3,000 said, yes, they put their faith and trust in Christ and they were baptized. Now, remember this about baptism. Baptism does not complete salvation. It pictures salvation. I get people that will write me from time to time or email and, and tell me I'm a heretic. Why? Because I don't tell people they have to be baptized in order to be saved. And see, they will come in with Acts 2.38 because that is their killer verse for you have to be baptized to be saved. Look what it says. Peter said to them, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for 
the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, black print on white paper. It says right there, you have to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You might want to circle that word for. Interesting little word in Greek. It's the Greek word ice, E-I-S, ice. That word in Greek can mean on the basis of, on account of, or to obtain. When Peter is saying in Acts 2.38, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ on the basis of forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is what he's saying. Baptism doesn't complete salvation, it pictures salvation, and baptism is our public identification with Jesus Christ. We're baptized to publicly identify with him. It's the statement that says, this is what has happened to me. I've given my life to Christ. I have died spiritually, died to my old way of life, I have a brand new life in Jesus, but you can't see that. Somebody today prays and asks Christ uh, to save them, to come into their life and forgive them. Jesus comes in. The moment that you ask Christ to come in, he comes in. And you know what? No one can see that. And baptism is a visible picture of an invisible reality. And what's the invisible reality? I've given my life to Christ and I've died with Christ and I have a brand new life in him. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Now the Jews who were baptized, they were baptized at a personal cost. It cost them potential status as a Jew because here is this this new religion, so to speak, this new sect of Judaism. I mean, in the minds of the people, they didn't really know what it was. All of a sudden, it was like, well, Jesus is the Messiah, but we still have the Judaism that's running on this train, and now we have Christianity that's running on that train, and these seem to be different. And the religious, the Jewish religious leaders didn't like Jesus, and they don't like Christianity. They're the ones that got the crowd to say, not this man, but Barabbas. And so if I attach myself to this new uh, teaching and to this this, uh, new way where Jesus is the Messiah, I go against the temple. I go against the synagogue. I go against the religious leaders. And so there was a price to be paid for that. There was persecution. There was uh, the potential to be cut off from family and friends and the synagogue and Jewish society. They paid a price. See, some people would say, well, why didn't they just do it secretly? Maybe they could have just done it at home in their house and nobody could have seen it. Because baptism pictures your identification with Christ. Baptism is not to be done secretly. It's to be done publicly. You know, anybody that would do it secretly is saying, well, I love Jesus, but I just don't want anyone to know it. You know, that'd be like me telling Debbie, well, Debbie, I love you, but when we're out in public, I'm not going to stand next to you. I'm not going to wear my wedding, wedding ring. I don't want anyone to know that I'm attached to you. How do you think that would go over? Not good. And if she did that to me, it wouldn't go over well. And so many people do it to the Lord. Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me in this sinful and adulterous generation, I'll be ashamed of you when I come in power and great glory. Hey, all who have been saved are to be baptized. And baptism is not a sacrament. You know, people talk about the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. In the Baptist church, we don't have sacraments. We have ordinances. What's the difference? A sacrament, 
is uh, a conduit wherein divine life is transferred. It, it, it's some means of grace, and, and it's kind of mystical. It's up here. It's like we participate in this, and God's grace somehow is bestowed through this uh, situation of baptism or the Lord's Supper. That's not what it is in the Bible. It's an ordinance. It's a practice of the early church, and it's a practice for all churches. And isn't it interesting? The first ordinance the Lord gave us was the Lord's Supper, and the Lord's Supper He said, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we do that, and when we do it, we remember his death. We remember that he gave his life for us. That is the Lord's Supper. He also gave us the ordinance of baptism. Baptism, when we participate in baptism, that is our dying for him. Lord's Supper is his dying for us on the cross. Baptism is our dying with him and giving our lives to him and saying, Lord, I give you my life and he gives his life to you. Both symbolize the Lord's Supper and baptism. They both symbolize death and resurrection. First his death and resurrection, then our death and resurrection. So baptism is to be done by every Christian. It's only for Christians and it's not for infants Because the people that were there that day, they understood what he said. They had to be old enough to understand. And that's why it said those who received his word were baptized. They understood enough to receive it. Second truth, all those who are saved are to belong to a local church. See, that's why I called this the Christian two-step. So uh, you have to receive Christ. And then when you receive Christ, you become a Christian. And then you are baptized and you are, uh, become part of the local church. And that is important. It says in verse 41, and though there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The Bible talks about the church over and over and over again. And people in different uh, cities were part, Christians were part of a church. Paul went out on his missionary journeys, and what was he doing? He was sharing the gospel and planting churches. And when people got saved in Corinth or in Thessalonica or in Philippi or wherever it was, they would start a church, and they would be members of that church, and they would be part of that local church. We read in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, the seven letters to the seven churches. How does the Lord communicate to people? He does it through the churches, And people were members of the church. Now, it's important to remember this. The the church means ekklesia ekklesia in the Greek. It means the called out ones. We're called out. We're called out of this world and we're uh, transformed and our citizenship is in heaven. And and, uh, as as it has been said, you become a twice-born person living in a world of once-born people. You've been called out. And the Lord says, come out from among them and be separate. Be salt and light in a lost and dying world. And so every Christian is a member of the universal church. Sometimes you read in the Bible, and when the Lord talks about the church, he's talking about the universal church. He's not talking about the local church. Other times he's talking about the local church. Most of the epistles are to the local church. It's the epistle to the Ephesians. That's to the Ephesian church, the Different ones, especially in Revelation. We have the the angel of the church of Smyrna. The letters went out to the churches in Asia Minor, to Pergamum, to Thyatira. Those are all churches. None of them exist anymore, but they did exist in the first century. And so 
Sometimes you read and it's talking about a local congregation. Other times it's just talking about the church in general. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said to Peter, you are Petros, little rock. But upon this rock, Petra, the big rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church. He's not talking about a local church. He's talking about the universal church. And every Christian is a member of the universal church. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. That's true for every true believer. Now, every Christian needs to be committed to a local church. For everybody, need to be committed to a local church. And he says what happened, verse 42, in this brand new church with these 3,000 brand new disciples. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. That's the early church. What was taking place in the early church? That's the church in Jerusalem. The first church was in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church. Because we're in a Baptist church, we'd call it First Church Jerusalem. First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. They didn't call it that. But uh, it was just the church in Jerusalem. That's how they would designate the place. Church in Jerusalem. Church in Philippi. Church in Thyatira. Church in, in Ephesus. The church in Corinth. There was just one church. And it would be in that city. And it was the local church. Now, why is it so important to be involved in a local church? Because I know I'm talking to some people and you say, yeah, I don't think that's very important. Be part of a local church. I mean, I can see, you know, I want to be part of the, the universal church. It's important to give your life to Christ so you're part of his family. But a uh, local church, I'm not so keen on the local church. You know, to not be involved, to be a Christian and not be involved in a local church and committed and a member of a local church, that's like being a bee without a hive. You ever see bees that are just all by themselves? Just the lone ranger bee? That, that lone ranger bee doesn't exist. He only exists in community. He's got a hive. And so every Christian is to have a home church. And why do we need that? Four reasons. We need the biblical teaching of the local church. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Great commission. Go Therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And so the apostles would teach. They would teach the experiences that they had with the Lord. The Bible wasn't written yet, the New Testament. And so they're teaching them, no doubt, from Old Testament scriptures. That's what Paul would do when he would go uh, into different cities and go into the synagogue. He would reason to them from the scriptures, from the Old Testament, showing that Jesus was the Christ. And so you have Peter and James and John and the apostles, and they're teaching the people, and they're teaching them sound doctrine. And the church is to be a place where there is biblical teaching, sound biblical teaching. Now, that's, that's on me primarily as the pastor to make sure we're having sound biblical teaching because that's critical. You don't want to teach error. We are desperately in need of learning and growing spiritually. And the Bible says of itself that it is milk, that it is bread, that it is meat. And that's how you grow physically to eat food. How do you grow spiritually? You devote yourself 
to teaching. So that is critical. So we need the biblical teaching of the local church. Oh, but you say, well, I can get that in other places. I don't have to go to uh, be a member of a local church to get good teaching, especially today in today's world of YouTube and podcasts and all that other stuff. Well, we need the local church, reason number two, for fellowship, the fellowship of the local church. You don't get fellowship from a podcast. You don't get fellowship from YouTube. You don't get fellowship from just watching on television. Now, I understand some people, that's all they have because they're shut in. And uh, what we do with our television ministry, we encourage people that, we encourage them to come. Come here. If you can come here, come here. If you can't come here, find another place that you can go because you need to be part of a fellowship. Television church is a good supplement, but it can't take the place of that. When Christians get together, there's this sharing of life because they both have the same life, the Lord Jesus. And we have fellowship together and and we do things together and we share together and, and we do life together. That's the whole idea behind the local church. You need that. I need that. God made us to need that. And then thirdly, we need the support and prayers of the local church. See, it says that They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The breaking of bread probably means that they were eating meals together, and it probably means that they were celebrating the Lord's Supper together. So those things are probably both included in the breaking of bread. And then it says into prayer. And we need the support of other believers. We need the prayers of other believers. Now, in our church, we have Bible study classes on Sunday morning. It's a a smaller group to help you get connected Because then there is the fellowship that takes place. Hard to have fellowship in a big room like this. This isn't an opportunity to ask questions. But your Bible study class can be an opportunity to ask questions. Now, you can ask me questions after the sermon. But if you interrupt me to ask questions, that wouldn't go over so well. But uh, we need the support and the prayers of the local church. And that's how a big church becomes a small, uh, tight-knit family. It's in those smaller groups. And they were doing that in in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. They were uh, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They they had the big group because they had 3,120 just like that. You talk about a mega church that happened overnight. Well, how do you have fellowship in a mega church like that? You go from house to house. You have small group time. And so we need the support and prayers of the local church. And then we need, fourthly, the spiritual protection of the local church. Did you know that the church gives you protection, spiritual protection? Paul, when he was talking to the Ephesian elders and he knew he wasn't going to see them again, he said this to them in Acts chapter 20. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Hey, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He has savage wolves that he sends in. What are they going to do? What do they want to do? Devour. And you've watched enough National Geographic and Animal Planet shows like that to see when the predator comes, what is he looking for? He's looking for the stragglers. If you're together in the herd, 
then they have a harder time. But if you get separated from the herd, it's the wildebeest that's out, you know, he wasn't paying attention. He's just kind of like, hey, I don't know, I'll go over here. And he ends up dead. Why? Because he gets separated from the herd. He's not uh, with the group. And when you're not with the group, you're a sitting duck for the predators to come. Now, I see my job as pastor in these terms. I'm to lead, I'm to feed, I'm to protect against the wolves. That's the job of the pastoral staff of the church. We're to shepherd the church of God. Now, the Lord Jesus is the great shepherd, and we're the under-shepherds, more like the shepherd dogs. We're, We're there to protect the sheep. Why? Because there are snarling wolves. There is the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, and the church protects you from spiritual error and protects you from getting eaten up. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So we talked about the Christian two-step. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I give him my heart and life. I evidence that through baptism and through church membership, and those things come together. So I ask you today, as you search your heart, have you given your life to Christ? Have you really repented, turned from sin, and embraced the Savior? And since you've done that, or if you've done that, if you've not done that, you can do it today. But for those of you who have done that, have you followed him in believer's baptism. I'm not talking about infant baptism. I'm not talking about being sprinkled when you're 12. That might have been special for you, but listen, that is not biblical baptism. That might have been something special. I'm not trying to downplay it, but the Bible talks about immersion. That's what that word means, and it always comes after salvation. Have you been saved? Have you been baptized? And are you part of a local church? Those things are critical to your spiritual health, your spiritual growth, and to pleasing God. If you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way, if you've never asked him to come into your heart out of love for him, you need to do that today. And as the Bible clearly tells us, simply and sincerely cry out to him from your heart. Genuinely repent of your sins and then put your faith in him alone for salvation. He will then make you a child of God, destined to live for Him for now and for eternity. If you want to know more about how to do just that, what it really means, and how you'll be set free, go to FromHisHeart.org, click the Why Jesus link. You'll discover how to have a wonderful life that God wants you to have, even when times are tough. Again, that's FromHisHeart.org, the Why Jesus link. Today you heard part two of the message called The Christian Two-Step, one of seven in Pastor Jeff's series, The Next Step. And in this series, he teaches how to respond to the Lord's invitation to trust Him, why baptism and church membership is so important, the value of solid Bible teaching and a community of fellow believers, how to spend time in the Word and to drink in the pure milk of His Word, and how to pray effectively and more. To get this vital teaching on USB flash drive, digital download CDs or DVDs, make a call to 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, or go to FromHisHeart.org and make your gift of any amount to From His Heart 
and we'll send you the series in the format of your choice. God bless you for praying for us as we seek to expand to more hearts and homes in 2024, our 20th year broadcast ministry. I'm Larry Nobles, and we pray that today's lesson, The Christian Two-Step, has blessed your heart, and you'll return tomorrow for the next step in the Christian life. The message called, The Steps into Spiritual Strength. Join us on Thursday, when we'll again open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from His heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.